be seated. Good morning. My name is Myrna, and uh, today's reading is taken from Psalm 139. For the director of music of David, a psalm. You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. You hem me in behind and before, and you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. Where can I go from your spirit? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me. Even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. How precious to me are your thoughts, God. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I awake, I am still with you. If only you, God, would slay the wicked. Away from me, you who are bloodthirsty. They speak of you with evil intent. Your adversaries misuse your name. Do I not hate those who hate you, Lord? and abhor those who are in rebellion against you. I have nothing but hatred for them. I count them my enemies. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Myrna, for reading that scripture for us this morning. 
If you don't know me, my name's Nick. I'm the associate minister here at Knox. And we are in the midst of this series through the summer on our favorite psalms. Some of the staff have selected their favorite psalms, and that's the basis for our preaching. And I joked earlier in the series that I expected Psalm 23 would be a psalm many of us would name as our favorites, but I've discovered that actually Psalm 139 has a pretty devout core group that's been cheering for it to be part of the series, and so I hope that together we'll hear God's voice. Would you pray with me? God, you search us and you know us. And we pray that that would be true in this time as well. That through these words spoken and written so long ago, you would search our hearts and lives again this day. That you would point out in us the things that are offensive, the things that need reforming, and that you would lead us once again on the paths which lead to eternal life. We pray this not for us, but for your name's sake. And we pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts would be pleasing in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. God knows us, which may not be very surprising because we know that God knows everything. It's like the definition of God. But God knows us not just in that aloof way of having all the facts and all the data. God doesn't know us the way that Wikipedia knows things. God doesn't just know me the way that the government of Canada knows me or the way that Instagram thinks it knows me. It's not just my height and my weight, my hair color and my eye color, the links I click and the posts I read. God knows us personally. God knows you personally, perceiving who you are, discerning what you're about, sifting through our thoughts and our intentions, hemming us in, going ahead of us before we know where we're going, and guarding behind us before we know there's any danger at all. God knows us. Really, God knows us better than we know ourselves. I do things that I genuinely couldn't tell you why I do them. I say things that I regret while I'm saying them, but I still say them. I am a mystery to myself. Maybe you find those things that are true of you also. We like to imagine that we know ourselves fairly well, but we really don't. There are probably things about each of us that we're all too close to, to accurately perceive of ourselves, but most people in our lives can see them quite plainly. There are also things we believe about ourselves that simply aren't true, that maybe were never true. And God doesn't believe the lies that we tell ourselves about who we are. God knows us completely when we still hardly know ourselves at all. Truth be told, we don't really want to know ourselves. When we think about our past, we're often embarrassed by ourselves. 
and we perpetually compare ourselves to others around us and find ourselves constantly coming up short. In our work, we feel like frauds just waiting to be discovered. In our private lives, we feel like we're barely making everything work. And we spend so much time hiding our own insecurities from our families, from our co-workers, from our neighbors and friends. We don't really want others to know us fully either. So when we're confronted with a God who knows us so completely, when we've spent so much time curating our personas and polishing our presentations of who we really are, when we've spent so much time hiding the fullness of ourselves from the world, and yes, even from ourselves, a natural response is to run away, to try to hide. This may be surprising, but humanity has been trying to hide from God since the garden. After the fall, when humanity first disobeyed God, Genesis 3 records this. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, Where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. They were naked, and they were afraid. They were naked before God, so they hid among the trees. For all our clothes, we remain naked before God. And often we're afraid of the vulnerability of our nakedness. And we try to hide. We try to hide from the one who sees us as we truly are. And to conceal ourselves from the one to whom nothing is hidden or secret. We're afraid. But where can we go from God's spirit? Where can we flee from God's presence? So we hide among the trees of the garden, forgetting that our Lord is the gardener. We hide in our knowledge and our education, but even with all of our degrees, there are mysteries beyond our understanding for which we depend on the maker of all things. We hide in the things that numb our pain, forgetting the promised comfort which God's Spirit carries. We hide with our religiosity, sure that we can trip God up with our difficult questions or our very clever answers. But God calls us to worship in the spirit and truth. We hide in the busyness of our days, figuring that if we never have a chance to stop to think or to reflect or, heaven forbid, to pray or to read the scriptures, then God will not catch up with us. But we have disregarded that our God is the shepherd who guides us, whose right hand holds us fast, who will not lose a sheep no matter how far it strays or how fast it runs. And we hide in the grave. We hide in the grave of our sorrow and in the grave of our sin, forgetting that Christ has overcome the grave and that life is now master of death. And maybe today or at some point in your life, you've convinced yourself that you have successfully fled from God. 
Maybe you think that God has forgotten you or that the weight of the bad decisions that you've made in the past or the state of your life today means that you are finally beyond the grip of God's forgiveness and love, that now even God cannot reach you. But even this is not true, because even the darkness will not be dark to him. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to him. Somehow we've deluded ourselves to believe this lie that our darkness somehow dims God's light. But actually, it's quite the contrary. The light of God overcomes even the deepest darkness of each of our lives. As St. John the Evangelist says of Christ, the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. No matter who we are, or where we go, or what we've done. We cannot escape God's all-pursuing love. We cannot evade God's ever-present spirit. We cannot flee from the God who has said he is with us. So why can't we flee from God? The psalmist has an answer, and it's quite plain. He says it's because God created our inmost being. Because God made us. But not only because God made us, but because of what God made us for. Because we were fearfully and wonderfully made. St. John Chrysostom suggests that we wonder when we gaze at the ocean. But we are in fearful wonder when we stoop down to discover its depths. We were made not only to wonder at God, but we were made to discover the depths of God's mercy, goodness, and love. It is who God is that God should be present to us. And it is who we were made to be that we should be in communion with our Creator. It is these foundational truths of our creation that God will not relinquish, for which Jesus came to us lived for us, suffered and died for us, overcame the grave for us, and is now at the right hand of the Father, that we might know our place is with God, because God has already made God's place with us. You see, in all of our attempts to flee from God, we are, in fact, running from the very one who we seek. We desire to be accepted. That's all we really want. But we are convinced that we can only really be accepted by those who don't truly know us, who haven't seen us at our worst, who do not know the evils of our spirits, because if they knew, they couldn't possibly love us. They couldn't possibly accept us. But there is one who has accepted us already, And he did not come to us out of ignorance of who we are, but with full knowledge. He did not die for us under delusions of our innocence, but convinced of our guilt. And he has not loved us for any merit of our own, but because he himself is love. It is this one who we run from, though we seek him with our whole heart. And it is this Jesus Christ, this God who is with us and will not let us go who we will find 
at the end of all of our running, all of our hiding, all of our secrets, from whose spirit we can never flee. Though we may try, it's a good thing that we can't escape God. It is good that God remains with us wherever we go and whatever we've done, that our darkness has not overcome God, because God is our only sustainer. At our creation, God did not only commit that we should be made, but that we should know life. All of our days were written before one of them came to be. God sustains us each day. It is only by God's word that I draw this breath, only by God's decree that any of us woke up today, only by God's purpose that we are gathered here this morning, and only by God's grace that we will participate in the Spirit's work through this week. If we could flee from God, we would flee from life itself. And Jesus, who is life, brings life to every place and in every way, even to the grave. If we could conceal anything from God, we would be blinding the one who is truth. And Jesus, who is the truth, came to us not to learn about us. He knew us before we were born, but came that we might learn of him and his truth might set us free. It is this freedom which God desires for us. God not only knows secret things, perceives even our thoughts, is familiar with all of our ways. God is also working in secret places. This psalm tells us that God formed us in the secret place, and God still works in secret places. God is working in the secret place of each of our hearts, continuing to form and reform us, making us day by day into the image of Christ. God has accepted us as we are, will not leave us despite all that ails us and all that grieves him, but is not done with our recreation yet. This is why it's not frightening that God knows our thoughts, because God also thinks on us. God cannot stop thinking of you. In your creation, every minute detail of who you are was already a thought in the mind of God. Each hair, each freckle, the way that you laugh, the things that your eyes behold as beautiful, all of this was thought of by your maker. In your living, every good and perfect thing, a gift from the Father of lights, and every painful and sorrowful thing, a place where God has chosen to remain near to you, despite our many vain attempts to flee. He pursues us because he made us, because he has ordained days for us, because we were made to be with him to discover the depths of his love, and because he speaks the only true word about who we are, that we are his, and that we are very good. And his work is not done until those true words spoken at our creation are the only words which ring of truth anymore. Tremendously good news. When we awake from the slumber of sleep or of sin, and yes, even of death, 
we are still with God. And the God who is life and truth and love remains with us. And then the psalm takes this turn, which probably caught us off guard as Myrna read it this morning. All of these beautiful and intimate images of God's love for us, God's pursuit of us, and suddenly, if only you, God, would slay the wicked. Away from me, you who are bloodthirsty. And this sounds like less good news. It sounds harsh, perhaps even cruel. Frankly, it sounds like it doesn't even belong in the psalm or like we'd rather not have it there. But it does. Because so far this psalm has been about a God who knows us and a people who know ourselves enough to be ashamed, to try to hide in our shame and our brokenness, but reminding us that God's knowledge of us was from creation and God's thoughts toward us are good. And that describes a lot of human existence. Maybe like 99%, right? Like that's a lot of our existence. But not all of it. Because there are those who do not seek to hide from God's presence, but rather who rebel openly in full view of God. There are those who are wicked, who know their vile evil, but do not repent. There are those who are warmongers who choose to harm the innocent, knowing that they're innocent, knowing what they do. There are the wealthy who choose to oppress the poor. These people are not afraid of God. They do not in vain try to cover their nakedness and their shame. Rather, shamelessly and gleefully, they test God with supreme injustice. And as God forms us to be more like Christ, as God calls out of us our created goodness, it is natural that we, like this psalmist, should love righteousness and hate evil that much more. The evil which ensnared us once and the evil which we see continues to harm our brothers and sisters and all creation. These words, which at first may sound cruel and harsh, are words of longing for God's justice and for God's peaceable kingdom to come among us. That those who flee in fear of the very thing that they seek might be found and restored. But also that those who work against it, those who devour sheep and scatter the flock, that they might be far from us might be undone by the very God who they mock. This too is a promise that we hope in, that one day God will set all things right, and that those who have loved evil, who have found pleasure in it and harmed others by it, will be held to account, that the oppressed will be raised up and the powerful humbled, that the mighty will be overcome and the weak restored. As the psalm concludes, we hear familiar words. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is an offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. These verses respond in a way to those unsettling verses we've just considered. The psalmist wants to ensure that they are not like those very wicked ones that they detest. 
that God's judgment is already refining them to be more completely who they were made to be. And these verses also parallel those opening verses of this psalm, which announce that God has already done these things. But here, at the end, the psalmist invites God to do what he already knows God has done. God has searched him. God does know him. But now, rather than a cause for fear, for fleeing, for doubt and insecurity, it is a sign of peace. The psalmist now says, continue to search me. Continue to know me. Continue to make and remake me until I might walk in your ways. Do what you have already been doing for me what you've always done in my life because now I'm not afraid of it. Because now I hear you in the garden and I run to you because I want to be with you. Now I don't need to hide myself because I know who you see me to be is better than anything I could want to be. Not only does the psalmist invite God that we might know our sin or try to conceal our sin but to desire that God would reveal it and overcome it, that we would not keep company with the wicked any longer, not only to acknowledge that God knows us, but to desire that God would know us and invite God to search us day by day, that our lives would not be spent in vain, hiding from a God who hems us in, but spent joyfully walking in the way which leads to eternal life. Truly, there is nowhere we can go and nothing we can do to escape the God in whose image we have been fearfully and wonderfully made. So may, we continue to work in the, so may God continue to work in the secret of our hearts and our lives until we know, believe, and live as people who are made to be the beloved children of God. In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. We want to invite you to reflect on these words, to hear how God's Spirit may be speaking into your life even now, how God has been searching you and inviting you not to hide among the trees any longer. And so a couple of questions that might inspire some of those reflections. The first is just, where are you still trying to flee or hide from God? And knowing you haven't been successful in that, notice how God is present with you in those places. And then secondly, this is something you can do now, today, but I hope something you'll do through this week and as a pattern of life. Invite God to search you and to know you. Invite God to see if there is any offensive way in you and to lead you in the way everlasting. And as you do that, trust that his thoughts toward you are good. This is a safe thing to do. Just a couple of minutes to begin this now and hopefully lots more time through the week.